The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. In a world that can be challenging and at times unpredictable, it's hard to find moments to focus on what you need. Join Stephanie James on The Spark as she guides you to use your inner flame to ignite your best life. As a best-selling author, psychotherapist, transformational life coach, and international show host, Stephanie is dedicated to helping you create a life that takes you, your goals, and your passions to the next level so you can live a life that is fully lit up and fully alive. She believes that your life is meant to be a beautiful expression of the things that light you up. That by living your dreams, you give permission to others to do the same. Are you ready to feel alive and inspired to fuel your dreams and put a fire behind your desires? Let's ignite a spark in one another that will illuminate the world. The Spark with your host, Stephanie James, starts now. Welcome to The Spark. I'm your host, Stephanie James, and we are taking the spark and we are igniting it. I hope that wherever you are right now in this moment, that you are happy in your heart. And if you have some stress or pressure or you're going through something right now, remember just by doing that pattern interrupt where you stop what you're doing, take a deep breath. And it's not just, oh, take a deep breath. It's literally take a deep breath into your heart. Put your hand on your heart for a moment. Might even hold your breath for a few seconds and then slowly exhale, reminding yourself that in this moment, it's okay. You've got this. I am so excited. Um, And I I feel like I say that every week. I am so excited because I am. I, I have so many amazing and wonderful guests come on this show And today is no exception. I have an amazing woman with me, Anne Clint, and she is a self-compassion expert, an energy healer, a coach. I mean, she's a teacher, a writer, a speaker. She does so many amazing things. And I had the privilege of being in an amazing Phoenix Rising event that she put on this last fall that was just phenomenal. And, and we'll be talking more about all the things that, that Anne is doing. And I want to just welcome Anne to the show. Welcome to the spark. Hi, sweetie. Nice to be here, Stephanie. And I like to go by Anna just because that's what my family always called me, even though it's spelled with an E. So it's so confusing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you so much for telling me. Okay. Well, see, you really are like Anna Clint Sorensen. <laughs> we're just <laughs> talking <exactly>. about, <laughs> we were talking about that we must be long lost cousins because my maiden name was Sorensen. 
And when I looked up some of Anna's stuff, there was a Anna Clint Sorensen. So I love it. So it's so beautiful to see you. And you're always in this, you have this beautiful creative mode where you're, you're just expressing yourself in the world. What, what's coming through right now? Tell me what's, what's percolating in you. Mm. I have been doing a lot of intuitive writing lately, which has felt really good. I've been working with a writing coach and we have these really small, intimate writing gatherings. And I've been going through a really challenging period in my life, like spirit sent their wrecking ball. And a lot of things got kind of bottled up and blocked up because, you know, essentially my husband walked out and then my father got sick and I was his caretaker for a good number of months. And there really just wasn't the capacity within me or in my environment to support me being able to process through a lot of the really deep, complicated emotions surrounding my marriage. Oh, and also the fact that my father had just become really ill. I mean, it was all, all these things started compounding and, you know, I just, one thing I'll just share a line of something I wrote last night in a, in a grief writing workshop was I was shipwrecked on the couch for months. And I just, you know, that was just such a deep inward processing time. And I'm finally now coming out and allowing this little bit of space from, you know, time to time for, to just kind of vomit some words on the page. And what I'm finding is that they're actually quite powerful and potent. And, um, a lot of it is, you know, laced with grief and sorrow, but there still are these kind of glimmers underneath of like the spark of the divine coming through. And so I love that we're here on your show called The Spark. (laughs) And so, you know, I am, I'm an artist by training. I have a bachelor of fine arts degree and photography and video and installation work was what I did in my quote unquote past life. And now that I'm a you know, in the transformational world, it's, it's becoming clearer now that reintegrating creativity into my transformational work is where I sense I'm being led. And that's really exciting. It's all new and I don't know where it's taking me, but it's kind of a long time coming because I kind of had to close the door on creativity for a little while. No, let me, I'm always creative. Everyone of us is always creative all the time. But on this idea that I was making art, I closed the door Mm -hmm. on this idea that I was creating art that would be labeled with the capital A art or, you know, something that would be perceived by others as art. And so now it's like, oh, well, what is, what could that look like now that I'm, I'm ready now, finally, almost, almost a decade later to open the door back up to that. It's kind of exciting. It is so exciting. And you know, I felt so profoundly honored when you shared your poetry with me, you know, some of this very deep and meaningful and beautiful, beautiful uh, grief poetry. And, and, and with the video, you know, seeing you on video, um, it was really powerful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess I, the question I want to ask you is why do you think for the majority, I mean, so many people are afraid to feel and express their grief. Oh, wow. Chills. How much time do you have, Stephanie? Because (laughs) this is a gigantic question. So I'm going to hit all the points. I'm going to talk messy through this uh, kind of quickly. We live in a culture that doesn't create space for grief. We uh, 
are all walking around with tremendous, tremendous amounts of stored grief. And this is what sent me to the couch was that the death of my marriage uh, just opened the floodgates. I was already grieving the death of my stepfather who had died just about uh, less than a year and a half earlier. And that started the dam, the breaks, the cracks in the dam. But if you have had even a mildly challenging childhood and you haven't done deep and sacred grief work, you beloved are walking around with tremendous amounts of stored grief. And then it gets compounded because we have past life grief. We have grief from experiences that our ancestors had. We are holding collective grief. We live in a culture that has, uh, there are grief inducing events every single day in America, multiple times a day. And so even if you are somewhat removed from the media, like I have been for my own sanity lately and for my own mental health and my own spiritual health, as I process through this, it is in the collective. So if you're empathic, if you're sensitive, you're, you know, that it's there and it's, it's just, we are swimming in grief right now. And even if we want to talk about this idea that we are creating the new earth and we are on this ascension track and humanity is awakening. There is grief in that because we are having to leave something behind. There is still a loss there. There's a loss of everything we were born into, everything that we thought was real, everything that is the past, even if it doesn't serve us, it's still a loss. And so like there's no, no way to get through life without experiencing grief, except that we don't have containers to experience grief. And so it just gets piled into our bodies and it's stored in our cells and in our digestive tract and in our muscles. And it's just like, before we know it, we're like, hey, how, uh, this is some, something isn't right here. Part of that is grief. <laughs> yeah. And, and how interesting to your point, I mean, grief is this universal experience and it's absolutely in the collective. So even if we're not conscious that we're feeling yeah. it, it really, and there are times where it's just palpable. You cannot yeah. help, even if you're not a sensitive person, yeah. feel the weight of that grief mm -hmm. and how interesting that we all feel it. And yet we don't have this awareness or this permission mission. Yeah. To feel it or to express it is especially in community. Like yeah. grief is supposed to be supposed I've got air quotes here supposed to be this very private journey. Like you can be sad, but could you do it locked in your bedroom so nobody can see you or hear you? Because right. it makes me uncomfortable because I haven't gotten in touch with my grief yet. Right. And because we're all codependent, if you feel uncomfortable, I feel like I have to fix you somehow. <laughs> so it's also, mm -hmm, yes, I'm mm -hmm. not in touch with my grief and that scares the crap out of me. And I somehow feel some responsibility, especially as a woman raised in our culture to make sure that everyone around me feels okay. And that's just like, not, it's not okay. And I'm just thinking as you were speaking, like there are some cultures that do have really strong grief rituals. It's just not the American culture or Western Europeans, but you know, uh, the Jews sit Shiva, there are, uh, I'm thinking like my, my uncle's partner is from, um, Cape Verde and they have a whole deep, like mourning ritual that happens for 
I think for a year, they go to the cemetery like every week and they mourn their beloved and they just wail and they thrash and they just break apart and they just fall down and then they're done. <laughs> they get through it. Wow. Does that mean yes. that they don't miss their beloved? You know, no, of course they still miss them. But it's just that our culture has this expectation that, okay, someone died, let's give you a few days off from work and go to your room and lock yourself away and do what you need to do and then come back and be a productive member of society. Yeah, yeah. And and be, quote unquote, happy. Right. I need you to show up happy. Totally. And, you know, and I just have to say this for the listeners, there's a book, and I don't know, Anna, if you've heard of this book, it's called Tear Soup. No, I love it though. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyone who's going through a grief process, it's actually a children's book, oh, that's but great. it is one of those that is actually for all of us. And I, I can't even tell you how many copies of that book I have given away. And you, you know that this, this, there's this old woman and she's making this soup and you, you know, she's got to keep adding these certain ingredients and you know, mm. she's lost something, someone, but you don't really know the story. And friends come over and they're like, aren't you done making that soup yet? <laughs> and they're, you know, and pretty soon there are some friends that don't come over anymore, mm. you know, because they want her to get right. over it. And the profound right. message of this book is to be right where you're at in your grief journey and to give yourself permission right. to be right where you're at mm -hmm. and how essential and important that is for all of us. Right. Right. And no coincidence that that's the cornerstone of the spiritual practice and the spiritual journey is to be right where you're at and to be accepting and allowing of all of the stuff that is you, whatever you're experiencing, whether that's joy and pleasure and happiness or grief and loss and sorrow, anxiety, depression. I mean, that's just like where it's at and grief, really the, the thing about grief that's so fascinating and frustrating is that unexpressed, it will, it will find its way out. It will create illness. Mm -hmm. It will sabotage your relationships. It will make sure that it has its way out because the body cannot safely contain it um, stuffed, right? It has to flow. Yes. And it's making me think then for you, what are some of the ways of expression? Mm. What are, what are some of your, it could be your own practices or things that you're aware of that yeah. truly help in this grief journey? Yeah. As an artist, uh, I studied kind of mostly digital means. So as a photographer, it was digital photography and video is, you know, also digital. So electronically based, I did, I did also do some sculpture, but what I found was last fall, especially. So one thing that I could do while my father was still in my house, because my father, um, it's really challenging to, <laughs> to be expressing difficult emotions around him because he likes to turn it around and then make it about him and, you know, this kind of thing. And it's just, no, 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 I don't, can't, don't want to do that. So, so I wasn't bottling up my expression to not make him feel bad. I was bottling it up because I didn't want to deal with how he deals with it. It was mm -hmm. like, because I don't want to deal with it. And so I uh, would, I just started watercoloring and I'm not a watercolorist. I don't really, 
uh, know how to do it very well. I've never taken a watercolor class, you know, none of those things, but I was like, well, you know, I've used paintbrushes before and I've used paint before. So let's just play with it and see what happens and without any kind of agenda. So that was one of the things that I did start doing was just after dinner, it was too early to go to bed, too sorrowful to do anything else. I'm not a big TV person. And so I was just, well, what, what on earth can I do to take up these hours? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'll sit here and I'll just play with paint for a little while. And I ended up with one painting that's actually kind of decent. You know, a lot of other things were just explorations and that was fine. You know, it wasn't like I'm trying to make art again. And then the writing and, you know, for some people it might be creativity in the kitchen. I've, I personally have found that without my husband present, I'm not as cooking is not the same. It's not as joyful and pleasurable. Eating is not as joyful and pleasurable. Um, So that's not one for me, but, you know, last summer, one thing that I did a lot was just go outside. I had planted a few sunflower seeds and I had planted a few little plants and, and I would be sitting at my desk going, God, you really need to do this for your business. And you really need to do this. And I'd be like, I can't do any of it. I'm going to go outside <laughs> Love it. and I would squat down on the ground. And I know I did this as a little kid. Cause there's photos of me doing it. You squat down and as if you're just like looking at the ants, like, what are you guys doing? Looking at the earth, looking at the seeds sprouting, looking at the plant growing, look, it's bigger than it was last time. And that um, actually that practice in the summer saved me. So it's interesting. There's a seasonal seasonality to it, right? So I live in Northern New Mexico. It's not, um, we had a very long, cold, awful winter, (laughs) I would say. So summertime was all about being outside. Fall started doing this creative uh, watercoloring and now late winter into spring is this writing journey. And and that's how it's been going so far. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think too, like your ability to write out, you know, in these beautiful images and not that everyone has to be a poet, mm-hmm. but it is, you know, writing it out can be such an amazing way to express mm-hmm. that grief, you know, and I just totally. Totally. invite people to, to try that in any of these mediums. Because we can't always just speak it to people. I mean, I, you know, again, if if I would absolutely encourage people if they need a therapist or they need, you yes. know, a mentor or a coach, you know, please, you know, talk to someone if you're in your grief journey and these things that you can do on your own. Right. You know, and really as, as you and I both are, I know, very uh connected to this. I mean, meditating and and really continuing to connect with the divine and let that energy come through and and create its own alchemy in us through us. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I will share, you know, that absolutely I've been working with therapists and healers and, you know, I've not been trying to muscle through this journey on my own. So anyone who's listening, just because, you know, like the, the healers need the healers too. the, you know, the therapists need the therapists and that's real. And to, you know, to note in the writing groups that I've been doing with this woman, like some of the people there are like, I've always wanted to write. I don't consider myself a writer. And the, what pours out of them is so profound and beautiful. And so this is not something that, yeah, I have to identify as a writer. No, like you have a voice within you and given the right 
fertilizer and safe space and just a little bit of time. We're talking about 15 minutes, right? We're not talking about setting aside a long weekend to slog through some writing. It's like, no, I don't even do 15 minutes every time. Sometimes it's just like, I get the urge, you better go sit down and get this out. And then, and then maybe it's five minutes and I just go back to doing whatever the, you know, whatever it was I was doing. (laughs) So it's, um, it's really accessible. Like anybody with a pen and paper and you don't even need that. If you have a, the voice recorder option on your phone, you can just blah, (laughs) start talking and have it record it for you and transcribe it. If you want to, if you want it to be written down. I love that because you can just get it out. Yeah. You know, and I do, I do think there's something powerful and it's one of the reasons I think therapy really does work is when we hear our own voice and can be with our own process. So it's, you know, those thoughts and emotions being articulated. It's like, we're not containing them inside anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. There is something really profound that we've all experienced probably of like, you're, you're ruminating on something like, Oh, what's the best thing? What should I do? Should I do this? Should I do that? And then you, you call up someone and you're like, Hey, I'm thinking about this. And then as you start speaking it out loud, because you've just gotten it out of your head, you're like, oh no, this is totally obvious. Now it needs to happen. (laughs) I'm going to choose a instead of B and this is why. And it becomes so clear and you don't actually need someone else's input. You just need, there's something I think neuroscience based that happens between the thought and the word that comes out. It's a very different thing. And maybe you know more about that than I do, but I think a lot of us have had that experience. Absolutely. Well, and I always share with my clients, I just said, you know, I always say, if you keep it in your brain, it's like the slippery slope and you can convince yourself, you know, any which way. So to actually articulate it, you know, written word, awesome. Speaking it out loud, phenomenal. It is going to change shape. And that's, you know, and women in particularly, I found are auditory and oral processors. Mm. And, and it is, and I think, and, it, and it's probably true for men as well. So when we can get it out loud, it's like, just like you were saying, we can look at it, we can rearrange it. We can pick the things that really are our truth and disregard the things that, that aren't and don't serve us that are just an old narrative or. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And again, you're also touching on this idea that community is so important for this is that we have to have that person that can hear what we're saying. And also we need to be that person for others. Like it's, it's that, this idea that we, you just imagine like ancient human cultures and everyone's sitting around doing their work and they're talking. Absolutely. (laughs) Right. You know, my grandmothers uh, knew each other uh, before my parents were involved with each other and they had a sewing circle and they called it stitch and bitch. I mean, that's what they did. They just sat around (laughs) sewing and talking smack about whatever they wanted to talk about. And, you know, how therapeutic must that have been for them? That's how they probably endured, you know, marriages in the forties and fifties that were unenlightened. So shall we say? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. That is so great. So perfect. And so I think, you know, to your point, we literally are interdependent beings and that's the healthy form of dependency. We're interdependent yes. right. and that we have existed in community forever. forever. And so, mm-hmm. yes, while our grief journey is very much an individual one, I think we heal in community yeah. as well and community yeah. being a, a very large part of that. So 
This has just been such an important conversation and we, we're needing to take a small break. So when we come back, actually, I'm going to be chatting with Anna about the other side of this, you know, the, the other side of this, which is this expansion, which is this, the word that came is just like the humanity rising mm. and, and right. places where I know this has been near and dear to your heart. And let's talk about a little bit about the, the future of our planet and the future of our species and, and what's next. So come on back, folks. Can't wait for you. We're going to be igniting the spark with Anna Clint. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Is that all the, oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian Pigeon Mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Way, Brady PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back. We are igniting the spark with Anna Clint. Anna, my gosh, such a powerful conversation we were just having. And, you know, we, we were talking before the interview and I cannot remember for the life of me, if you know, jump in uh, that quote by Annis Nin, which is at some point it became too painful mm -hmm. to stay in the bud. And so basically it's like, you know, so we have to bloom. And so, you know, the other side of grief, if you will, as we go through these grief journeys, as we open up, as we allow, you know, the divine to work through us, what's the other side of this? And so much of your life, you know, also you've, my gosh, and you were saying the last decade in particularly, mm -hmm. really blooming into that spiritual connection, alignment and expression. Can yeah. you talk a little bit about that? Oh, I can. And and this is kind of the perfect quote. So I just sent it to a client, which so it was easy for me to pull up because I can't remember it. Um, I don't memorize it, but, and the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. Love and that. so when I look back over my life, having had a difficult childhood, um, raised by codependent people with, um, you know, with a lot of family dysfunction on both sides of my family and being a highly sensitive person and an empath, you know, a highly sensitive child and an empathic child that, um, you know, gosh, in the seventies, did anybody even know what empath 
empathic nature was, or there was no name for highly sensitive people in the seventies, right? We didn't even have seatbelts. <laughs> so, right, right, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, it was, it was, it would have been challenging for someone who wasn't highly sensitive, much less someone who was. And I internalized a lot of really, really painful beliefs about myself, about my value, about what was, what a, what a relationship between two, you know, intimate partners was because I just didn't have good modeling at all. And I was raised by heartbroken people, well-meaning, but heartbroken. And so I, of course, like took that into everything in my life and I just look back at myself, like so tight, like in this bud of, if I can just do everything perfectly, if I can just be the way my husband needs me to be, then I'll get love. If I can just be a good enough artist, then I'll get praise. If I can just, I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. And so, you know, at 40, essentially Spirit's been trying to get my attention for a long time. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> 40 was not the first wrecking ball to come to my life. I was actually in a, a, a severe enough. It was not a horribly severe car accident, but it was severe enough to completely like, you know, kind of bump me onto another timeline. But mm. I probably didn't choose exactly the timeline that Spirit had in mind for me. But that was, I think, what was the 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 idea that spirit had in mind. And I I was like, nah, let's, I'm just gonna keep doing this. And so at 40, I had a total adrenal wipeout. And it was because I was so tight in that bud, trying so hard to be perfect for so long. And my body, again, we just talked about storing the grief and how it's going to come out. It has to. Our bodies cannot store cannot store emotion. It Emotion has to flow through us. And so I had this total adrenal wipeout. I was at the verge of just completely launching and making it in my art career, but my art career was going nowhere. Like it should have on paper been going somewhere and it was going nowhere. And then I had a total burnout and just, it was just a total collapse. And I had to in that moment, and that moment was stretched over a very long period of time. It was not actually a moment. <laughs> But at that time, I had to decide, was I going to keep going the way I was going, which I knew exactly the result I would get because I had the result already. It was pain, emotional pain. It was terror. It was anxiety. It was just like massive insecurity. Or I could surrender completely and say, I don't know what the F is going on right now. I know that nothing I've been doing is working. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you want from me, but God just kill me now or show me the way. Just, those are the two options. Like take it. I'm done. Yeah. Like this is not yes. a life worth living or show me. And it, and it didn't happen quickly. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> it rarely does. <laughs> that bud did not just instantly become a flower. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And so for some of us, you know, this is what happens. Spirit sends the wrecking ball to your life. It doesn't happen for everybody. And it doesn't, I love the work of Joe Dispenza because he hammers that home. He is like, you don't have to get to a crisis to do this. You can do the work now. 
And, but a lot of us have to get to crisis. And so, you know, I got to crisis and I thought it was a physical crisis, but it was a spiritual crisis. It was a spiritual awakening and it was a reckoning of just really like pulling the scales off the wool from the eyes and saying, oh my gosh, I have been hating myself my whole life. I have been denigrating myself my whole life. I have been making choices that are not loving to me my whole life. Yeah. So powerful. And really what a wake up. To see. Yeah. But the gift in that is that once you see it, you can make a different choice, right? Mm-hmm. And that ego death is, I'll speak for myself, quite profoundly painful because I'm, I really am attached to my ego. I don't know about you guys, but I'm really attached to my <laughs> ego. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like my daily walking companion. And so to have aspects of the ego fall away, like my identity as an artist, I just was, I just gave myself permission. Like, okay, you can still call yourself an artist and you don't have to make any art whatsoever because you were making art from a place of, if I make it good enough, will you love me? Mm. Not pure joy of creation, not inspiration from on high. It was like, yes, I was inspired to make this art. And yes, I'm proud of much of what I've created, but the underlying motivation, untenable. Mm. Because it was all about seeking approval and seeking love. And so that's, and I made a promise to myself. I said, I will never make another piece of art again that comes from that place. And so if I never make another piece of art again, fine. And if I do, fine. And so here, you know, I made this like kind of cool little watercolor that I'm proud of. And it's like, I just made that for me. I'm not going to enter it into any shows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. I'm not going to ask for critical feedback from my art community. I'm just like, you know, it was just done for me. And, and it came from that place of pure, you know, inspiration and just, you know, the pleasure of creating. So I know if any of my art buddies were to hear this, they, they might think, well, isn't, aren't we always in the pleasure of creating? And I'm like, you might be, but I wasn't. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think if everyone was really honest, you know, really, or really in touch with it, they would also know at times it is that, you know, it's sometimes the little me ego. Yeah. People get confused because they think ego means like, oh, the, the narcissistic or the look at me ego. No, it's the little me ego that feels like I'm not enough. Right. See me, love me, you know, accept me. I I need that. Right. Exactly. And so I think, you know, God, my, my heart was just, you know, feeling you so much and resonating so much with the story you're sharing, because I think it's all of our stories, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. to, to different degrees yeah. where it's like, we're, we're trying to do, you know, I, I do, I don't know if you remember, this is like back in the eighties, Shirley McLean's book. I'm dancing as fast as I can. I don't know the book, but I remember her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it, to me, it's that, you know, it's that I'm, I'm trying to do as much yeah. as I can because I'm trying so damn hard to earn love. Yes. Yes. I'm so trying so hard just to be seen and to feel important and worthy. Right. right. And so this profound moment when you stop trying. Mm-hmm. At least in surrender years in my life. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. And that's the journey, but around that and around, um, yes. And around my inner, inner dialogue and 
and those deep motivations for acceptance. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the part that I, you know, the, the, the next, you know, kind of level of bud expanding was that I was still in my marriage shape-shifting and trying to figure out who I needed to be to, you know, to please someone who was, you know, I mean, that we, we all know that just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Definitely. Um, but it was a really long, long-standing relationship and we had been together since our mid twenties. And we basically still had in some ways, a relationship of someone in your twenties, even though we had grown and changed, but our relationship kind of hadn't and so that was like the next bud, very, very, very tight bud that has been kind of um, without, you know, not by my choice and yet by my, shall we say, higher wisdom put this here on the path, mm-hmm. <laughs> not by my little ego choice, but perhaps by my higher self choice. And, and you know, I definitely subscribe to that belief that I chose this incarnation, I chose this path. I chose these experiences and there's a reason for it and they've been painful AF and now what? The beautiful thing that I learned from going through it almost a decade ago is that when we do consciously surrender to the process, right? And I just had a whole beautiful event that was all focused on the dark night of the soul that was so amazing with all these great speakers and guests. And the, the, the idea is that when you do bring consciousness and acceptance and awareness to this journey of the soul, and especially when it's dark and all, all of your messaging says, don't look at that, Looks, look over here, smoke and mirrors. When you bring that consciousness to it, there are sacred and profound gifts that results that are waiting for you in the cave you fear to enter, right? Joseph Campbell, that's where your greatest treasure lies. And so I went from being an artist who was self-loathing and hating myself and pedaling as fast as I could, like Shirley MacLaine to like make everything right in the world around me. So everyone would accept me. I went from doing that to opening myself to the unknown, which took a long time of being in the unknown. And then Spirit was like, here you go, energy healing. Here you go, life transformation. And I was like, no, 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 I'm an artist. <laughs> That's not what I do, <laughs> right? right? And it was like, no, actually, this is what you do. And this is what you're going to do for now. And I said, okay, all right. And so got on board with it. And you fast forward these years later and it's like, holy cow, like actually, Spirit gave me some really profound gifts. And some of them were putting me in the path of teachers who could teach me certain modalities. But a lot of it is that I carry gifts. You carry gifts, Stephanie. Everyone listening to this carries gifts and they're unique to you. There's nobody else that has the same combination that you have. There's nobody else that has the same lens to view the same kind of problem, the same kind of issue, transformation. Nobody can do it exactly like you can, or I can, or anyone who's listening can. And that is how we are going to change this broken world that isn't serving humanity anymore. The call to action is like, let's go, like, let's march into that cave. You need support. You come find me. You come find Stephanie. 
you can find somebody that can march into that cave with you because we aren't meant to do this alone. We were just talking about the, <laughs> you know, that, that sharing grief and community. And also the same goes with transformation. There's so much that you can do sitting in a cave by yourself, meditating on top of a mountain for decades, but you can do it a lot faster if you're doing it with someone else. And it's so much more fun. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I know that might sound contradictory, right? And I know that you know this too, like just like sometimes the we have to deal with like the hardest, most painful aspects of our experience, but we can still laugh about it. Not maybe in the moment, but we can still laugh on the journey around it. We can still, you know, create a space where it doesn't have to be this doom and gloom and so hard and so painful. Yeah, it is painful sometimes, really, really painful, but it doesn't have to stay that way. Yeah. Exactly. And, and just, I, I, I feel like I was just talking to a client about this exact thing yesterday, mm-hmm. you know, this thing of that there are moments where, I mean, it's okay to have levity yeah. and grief. It's okay to have those moments where, right. right. And, and I was talking about, you know, when we get triggered, whether it's grief or anger or anxiety, how wonderful it is when we can at some point allow ourselves the feeling to come up. Mm -hmm. And in my own experience at times have had then that secondary observer be able to step outside and just kind of laugh and go, wow, you really got activated. You got super triggered. Able to bring levity, even in those moments to go like, oh, that's your old narrative or that's your old script. And how interesting, like to look at it and just go, oh, and be curious about it. Yeah. Curiosity is our best friend in all of this. Absolutely. Yeah. It opens the door to so much, a much wider breadth of experience when we can just get curious about something like you just, that's such a great example when we get triggered, huh? Look at that. But we can get curious about everything. You know, I wonder why this is so challenging. Why is this part of my life so challenging right now? What is this about? (laughs) What am I not seeing? Or what would I like to see more clearly? And just to ask yourself these questions, it's so profound to be an inquiry. Yes. Yeah. And you know, what you're reminding me of too, is just this importance. Again, it's this shout out and and you know, from, from talking with me before that importance of each person's healing matters. Yes. And that's such an essential message because as you're sharing right now, it's like, as we do come out of the bud and we do begin to bloom, then we are sharing our gifts. We can take those gifts then. And that does have a ripple effect. Massive ripple effect. Massive. In fact, we can't even quantify it because we can't even see the nuances of it. We can see the big, you know, the, we can see like key moments if we have the capacity to witness it, or if someone shares something with us, but we don't see all that's, I mean, we don't see the smile at the grocery store that changes someone's life who then, and we can't see it. Mm-hmm. We can't see mm-hmm. it. So it's massive. Trust. Yeah. To trust that it, it's like the butterfly effect. Yeah. You know, it's, it's each seed of kindness. It's each, yeah. you know, and, and an inward smile being kind to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then just that greeting I've literally had clients that told me I had a, I remember this one client in particular who had greeted someone on the street 
And literally later that person had somehow found them to say, I was going to kill myself. Whoa. Like I felt like I was so not seen, not heard, not important. And just your kindness in that moment, I changed my mind. Wow. So we never know, I, you know, the angel that we are to someone else. So right. our own work does become imperative for improving and changing and literally lifting up yeah. the world. I mean, that's right. so right. each one of us are kind of charged with that. Yeah. And that's why I love igniting the spark. We're charged with igniting our own inner spark and flame and then giving that gift. Right, right. And every bit of growth work that we do, I really truly believe we're giving permission to everyone who's watching us. Well, if she can do it, I guess I can do it, right? Well, if she can get through this you know, horrible thing of X, Y, Z, whatever you're, someone's going through, well, then maybe I can get through this and maybe I can do this. And, you know, if she can learn to love herself, maybe I can learn to love myself. Yeah, absolutely. I cannot believe Anna that this time has flown by so quick and we're already to the end of our time together. And so first of all, how can people get a hold of you? Yeah, come, you can visit me at my website, which is, my name is Anna with an E, so it's confusing, but it's A-N-N-E-M-K-L-I-N-T.com and, you know, hop on my newsletter. And then from there, you're going to get invited into all sorts of like free offerings that I have and community and all sorts of things. So uh, meditations and just all sorts of options to, to be engaged and to further your own growth. So Awesome. So awesome. And so Anna, as we're wrapping up, what is the essential message for you that you want to leave with the audience? I have been thinking about this very short. I don't know if it's, it's not the whole poem, but by Rupi Kaur. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name last, her last name correctly. I think it's K-U-A-R. How you love yourself is how you teach others to love you. And it just keeps coming through as we're talking and having this conversation. So it's spirit reminding me again and again and again, how I love myself is how I'm going to teach everyone else how to love me because I've lived my whole life without that, without, you know, that. And it's not to say that my husband didn't love me and we didn't love each other or any of that, but just at this very, very deeply fundamental way, like I have this opportunity now we all do in every moment, no matter what's happening in your life (laughs) to teach others how to love you based on how you're willing to love yourself and what you're unwilling to let go by anymore. Beautiful. And a thank you so much. It's always such a joy, profound pleasure being with you. Oh, I'm so grateful for the opportunity and I have loved every moment of it. Thank you so much, Stephanie. You have been listening to Igniting the Spark with Stephanie James. Thank you for listening. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Make sure you subscribe and receive every episode. For more information about this show, my books, films, and events, go to stephaniejames.world and ignite your best life. We talk to the animals, and we know you can too. On the Animal Communication Podcast, hosted by the three of us, myself, Julie Heert, Karen Dendy-Smith, and Meredith Tolleson. 
We will show you how to deepen your relationship with your beloved animal companions, whether they're alive or in spirit. As soul-level animal communicators, we explain the process and explore topics such as health, behavior, and play, all from the animal's perspective. So subscribe and follow us on Apple, Spotify, and listen as part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.